As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see. Welcome to Home Group. This is Thursday night. Have you been waiting for us? We've been waiting for you, and we're so excited to be with you tonight. And I want to tell you right up front that if you need prayer, please write us prayer at renner.org or call us 1-800-742-5593. As soon as we hear from you, we're going to begin to pray for you. And go to renner.org to get your free download of the study guide called Foundations of Faith. The subtitle says, What You Need to Know to Become a Mature Believer. You will love this. And by the way, it might be something that you want to share with somebody else. But you can get your free download. Tell your friends. Hey, go to render.org and get that free download. It really is free for anybody. And we just love giving it to you for free. And if you want to really dive deeper, then order the whole series. It's 10 parts. comes in all kinds of formats. It is so powerful. The back of the series says, Are You a Spiritual Infant? teenager or adult. Do you know your current level of spiritual maturity? How do you know if you're a mature adult and spiritual infant or something in between? And how can you determine your level of spiritual growth? Many Christians are infants and toddlers their entire life, but that's not God's will for you. That's true. God wants us to all grow up spiritually. So order this. It's really good. And we're also offering you right now my book called 10 Guidelines to Help You Achieve Your Long-Awaited Promotion. Paul, say a word about this book. It's an excellent book. That's actually our hand, hand guide, handbook. It's the one that every single employee in this ministry has to read. And it will be very helpful for you if you're expecting a promotion, if you want a promotion. And it will be very helpful for you if you're choosing someone for a, specifically for a leadership position. Uh, so I, I definitely recommend it. I think I've read it eight times. Paul, what kind of promotion are we talking about? All kinds of promotion we're talking about. Spiritual promotion, meaning growing in your knowledge of the Lord and the, how the Holy Spirit works through your life. And practical promotion, because we all would like to be trusted with more. Hey, Denise, welcome. Thank you, Rick. I have to say, I like that top. Well, I think you bought it for me about uh, 25 years ago. Well, you know what? 25 <laughs> years later, it's looking pretty good. I know it. You I've can, always liked You can it. say that we use what we have to the best of our ability. We got our money out of this one. <laughs> Welcome, Home Group. So glad that you're with us tonight. Tonight, I believe that you're going to hear something that's going to bless your heart. And we're so glad you're with us. Let's pick up where we left off last night. Are you ready? Home group, open your Bibles, always bring your Bible to Hebrews chapter 6. And when we go to Hebrews chapter 6, the writer says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, let's go on unto perfection. And we saw that this word leaving carries the idea of forward movement. The word principles, the Greek word arches, really means the ABCs. But before you can go forward, you have to know your ABCs. Isn't that right? You have to know your ABCs, or you can't go forward. And a lot of Christians have tried to really go forward, and they don't know bare bones about the faith. You have to know them. It says, let's go on unto perfection. Perfection, the Greek word teleotes, which means one who perpetually graduates from one level to the next, which means we can all grow, we can all be promoted into the next level. 
I am so thankful that today in my life, I feel like I'm learning more than I've ever learned. Amen. And you know, the Bible says we go from glory to glory. I want to repeat what I said in the last two programs. It doesn't say we go from mess to glory. That's how most people interpret that. My life is so messy, but the Bible says we're going from glory to glory. It doesn't say you're going from mess to glory. It says you're going from glory to glory. You don't get to the next level of glory till you make the one that you're in glorious. When you make this one glorious, that's when you get a pass to move into the next level. So if you want to move into the next level, then you got to pass the first level. What level are you in right now? If you want to go higher, if you want to go better, deeper, more profound, then you got to deal with where you are. And when you make it glorious, God will see it. And God will say, that one is ready for the next level. Yes. You know, I want to say that God's truths and God's revelation is precious to him. Yes. He paid a tremendous price to be able to get that revelation and truth into our heart, that it was something that we knew, we understood, we lived, we grasped, we appreciated. And, and so he doesn't take us into that next glory because we couldn't handle or appreciate it because we didn't, we didn't receive the first glory before that one. And it's not that he's trying to hold us back from something wonderful. He's trying to protect us because those things he wants to show us are so precious and so valuable that he wants us to have an understanding to be able to appreciate them. Well, they all build line on line, precept on precept. And if you don't get the foundations, then you can't put it all together. But let's go on to the next verse where the writer of Hebrews tells us there are six <clears throat> basic doctrines you have to have. These are the ABCs. And once you have these ABCs, then you're ready to go on. Number one was what? Repentance. Repentance from dead works. From dead works. And it's called the foundation. Thamelios. You have got to really be established in this. It's got to be rock solid. Then we saw in the last program, the second doctrine you have to have, which is? Faith towards God. Faith towards God. If you didn't hear the last program, please look at it in the archives. The word toward is a Greek word, epi. The word faith describes faith that's projecting forward. No self-reliance, no self-salvation, no self-reform, no self-anything. A person is saved only when they put their full trust on the work of Christ and Christ's blood alone. Mm -hmm. This is so foundational. Mm -hmm. You need to understand it. Your friends need to understand it. Then we come to the third. That's what we're going to deal with tonight. Mm -hmm. And it is called the doctrine of? Baptisms. Ba what is it? Baptisms. Plural. Wait a minute. That means there's more than one. It's the doctrine of baptisms. Tisms. Well, most people know that there's one baptism. And in fact, it's kind of confusing because Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5 says there's one Lord, one faith. And one baptism. One baptism, but this verse says there's three baptisms. Who's right? Who's wrong? Is Ephesians 4, 5 right? It says there's one baptism, but Ephesians, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 6 says baptisms, plural. So is there one or is there many? The answer is yes to both questions. So let's look at it. When you come to the New Testament, first of all, let's deal with the word baptism. The word baptism in Greek is the Greek word baptismos. 
and I want to read the word. It's not really a New Testament word. You're going to be surprised when you hear where it comes from. But listen to this. It means to wash, to dip, to be fully immersed. This is important. To be fully immersed by someone into something. So there is a baptizer and there is a medium into which you are baptized. To be baptized by someone into something. And the oldest usage of the word baptism, the Greek word baptismos, was used to describe, listen to this, taking a garment of cloth, dipping it into a vat of dye, and leaving it in the dye long enough to saturate the garment with the new color. When the person removed the material from the dye, it was a totally changed piece of garment from what it looked like previously, and this provides an excellent illustration of what happens to us when we get saved. We are spiritually dipped into the blood of Jesus. We're completely cleansed of our sins. We are saturated in the blood. Our spirit is totally changed, and we're not like we were before. And this really is a description of what happens in the first baptism. Now, there are three. Everybody say three baptisms. Three baptisms. Three baptisms, and here they are. I'm going to sum them up. Number one is the baptism by the Holy Spirit. Number two is the baptism of Jesus. And number three is the baptism of believers. So you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's not the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It didn't say that. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. Number two, the baptism by Jesus. And number three, the baptism by believers. These are three baptisms in the New Testament. But the first one is what Ephesians 4 verse 5 to refers to when it says one Lord, one faith, one baptism. The first one is what is essential for salvation. Well, let's look at it. All right, are you ready? The first baptism is performed by the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation, and it does not require your personal participation. We are told the moment we believe the Holy Spirit takes us, the Holy Spirit takes us, and baptizes us into the body of Christ, and we become a part of the church. It is a supernatural, indivisible, independent work of the Holy Spirit. The moment you believe, the Bible says in that moment you're transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Who does that? The Holy Spirit. He literally takes you and baptizes you into, and you become a part of the corporate body of Christ. And the Bible calls this the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is performed by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the baptizer and the medium is the church. And you can read about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13, which says, it's talking about all of us, doesn't matter what denomination you are, whether you speak in tongues or not, does not matter. If you are saved, this happened to you. The moment you believed, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. The Holy Spirit does it independently without our participation. It's also referred to in Galatians 3.27, which says, For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. That is the first baptism. That is the one baptism 
referred to in Ephesians 4, verse 5. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. It happens to Baptists, Pentecostals, Methodists, Presbyterians, doesn't matter who you are, what you are. If you believed, the Holy Spirit, without your participation, took you, put you into Christ. And 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For by one Spirit, by the Spirit, were we baptized into Christ. Now, just for clarification's sake, when I hear the word baptism, I usually think of water. We're going to get there in a minute. But this baptism doesn't involve water. It means we're dipped into Christ, we're dyed in Christ, we become a part of the body of Christ instantaneously. Okay. Any other comments? That's done by the Spirit. It is a Instantly. spiritual... I mean, when a person is praying the prayer of salvation, exactly. they're totally unaware of what's taking place. No. The Holy Spirit independently says, well, that one belongs to Christ, so boom, I'm putting him right into the church. That's so powerful. It is. That, that's also a confirmation that when someone is saved, they immediately gain a love for the brotherhood. As soon as you get saved, you get a love for the church. There are several things that happen immediately when you get saved. You get a love for the church and a hatred towards sin. But that love towards the church is evidence that you have been baptized into the body. Then there's the second baptism. What is the second baptism? All right, you guys ready? Okay. You're taking notes? The second baptism is performed by Jesus. He's the baptizer. But what's he baptizing us into? Because there's a baptizer and there is... One who's receiving the baptism. There's a medium. So the baptizer's baptizing somebody into something. What is it? Well, it's performed by Jesus. This is the baptism by Jesus. And he baptizes us into the power of the Holy Spirit. So in the first baptism, the Holy Spirit puts us in Christ. In the second baptism, Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is referred to in Matthew 3.11 when John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And again, by definition, there must be a baptizer and there must be a medium. And in this case, Jesus is the baptizer and he takes those who want it and he baptizes them into the power of the Holy Spirit. It's also mentioned in Luke 24, verse 49. It's mentioned in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, verse 5, verse 8. And we see the first time it happened was in Luke, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When Jesus took all those believers, they were already saved. They were in the church already. But then Jesus baptized them. He dipped and dyed them into the power of the Holy Ghost. And God's intention was them to soak it up. And that's what God wants. Denise? Rick, I don't know if this has anything to do with what we're talking about, but it, it, I just saw it and it excites me. The respect in the Godhead, because the, the first thing that happens is that the Holy Spirit, he baptizes us into Christ. And then Christ baptizes us in, in the Holy Spirit. There's such a partnership. Such a partnership. But let's go to the third. The third baptism, okay, the first one's performed by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. The second baptism's performed by? Jesus. Jesus. Who's the third baptism performed by? The third baptism is performed by other believers. 
They're the baptizers. Well, what's the medium? Water baptism. It's called water baptism when a minister or other believers, they're the baptizers, that baptize you into the medium of water. Amen? So the baptizer is another believer. The medium is water. And this can occur any moment after salvation. And it outwardly symbolizes and publicly proclaims that your old man has been buried. Yes, Paul. He's oh, buried. I'm just buried. And when you are taking water baptism, there are so many things that we do publicly. Uh, for instance, wedding ceremonies are done publicly. And before and after your wedding ceremony, you are a different person. Your status has changed, much like water baptism. Before and after your water baptism, you are a different person. And now you are baptized into the body of Christ, and you're, it's, you're making a statement. Now, the previous things that happened may happen very internally. They may happen in such a way that no one around may know you have changed. But water baptism is something that you do in front of other people. It's a public statement. It's the point of no return in your public life. Now, water baptism does not save you. We saw in the last program, if you're trusting in anything but Christ's blood alone, you're probably not saved. Meaning some people actually trust in their baptism. Well, many people say, I'm saved because I got baptized. That doesn't mean a thing. But if you are saved, water baptism is important because Jesus commanded it. You say, well, why did he command it? Well, first of all, I say that it's a symbol, but I personally believe much more happens in baptismal waters than just a symbol. Something's really buried when you go under that water. In our church, every time we have a weekend where we baptize a bunch of people, let's say we baptize 60 people mm -hmm. in a weekend, we say, well, church, yesterday was glorious. We had 60 funerals. And 60, like 60 funerals. Resurrections. And 60 resurrections. That's what we always say. And you know, you receive what you believe. And I have always preached that you should release your faith when your water baptized. That when you go into that water, something is going to break off of you. And when you come out of that water, just like we're told in Romans chapter 6, you're going to be raised to walk in newness of life. Something should happen in that water. It's just a work of grace in your life. It's not to get you saved. You're baptized because you are saved. You don't get baptized to be saved. If you're getting baptized to be saved, you might as well just take a bath. Because being baptized and be saved, you're trusting something other than Christ. You're baptized because you are saved and you want to put something from your past, your old life, under the water forever. And it is so important that the Apostle Paul dedicated the whole first part of Romans chapter 6 to the issue of water baptism. Please read it, read it, read it, read it, read it, where he describes the importance of water baptism. There really is a transaction that takes place. Something breaks off. Something is awakened if you've been taught it and if you've released your faith. Otherwise, it might just be a ritual. God doesn't do anything that's just a ritual. Everything that seems to be a ritual, it has a reason and it has power. Denise? Well, I'm thinking that the Bible says that we, we die. We die. Our old man dies. And we're raised in new life in Christ. And you can't see that, that somebody died. But 
it really happens because when you're really saved, you really don't want to sin. And if you are sinning, you're, you know you are and you want to get free from it. Well, what is that? That's that spiritual ele- element inside of you that Jesus put inside of you that you're dead to sin. I'm dead to sin. I don't want this. And the spirit of God is, is confirming to you that you are his. When we don't want to sin, Rick, it's the spirit of God confirming to us that we're his. What does this have to do with baptism? Because we, the baptism is, is it, the old man dies. We die. Well, actually, he's already dead. You're just putting him under the grave. I say that a Christian that is not baptized even though he may be dead to his past. It's like that old corpse is hung, is roped around his leg. Everywhere he walks, he's dragging it along with him. But when you go into baptismal waters, you're, putting, you're burying him forever. You're burying him. Now, one observation I've made, you know, Denise and I, we've been in the ministry a long time. Praise God, we have a long time more ahead of us to serve. Amen. But I have noticed through the years that people who skip water baptism... They say, well, it's not a requirement for salvation. That's correct. It's not. It's a requirement for victory. It's a requirement for maturity. Jesus commanded it. And I have noticed through the years that people who skip water baptism, it's like something in their life is not right. Mm -mm. It's just not right. We once had an employee, loved him so much. He was willing to serve. But you know what? There was just something not right in his ministry. And he formed his own ministry. And one day I said to him, have you ever been water baptized? I knew something was wrong because something was just off. He said, no, I never have. That's, my pastor didn't tell me that was important. Well, it's not important to get saved. It's important to be an overcomer, to be obedient, to be victorious. Jesus commanded it. And actually, water baptism is where a lot of people say, I don't want to do that. That's where we find out who's going to be obedient and who is mm-hmm. not. And it gives you a point of reference. And if you're not willing to be obedient in water baptism, water baptism doesn't really require very much from you. No. It's pretty easy to do. But if you're not willing to be obedient in water baptism... You're going to mess up somewhere else. Then what are we talking about? Do the basics first. Now, I've listened to Derek Prince quite a bit on the subject of foundations of faith. Uh And I've listened quite a bit to Bob Yandian on the subject of the foundation of faith. I've heard you preach about this in church. And the way you explain the foundations of faith is so simple. What are you talking about? It's easy to understand. It's just really, really basic and easy to digest, spiritually yeah. digest. Thank you, son. You should write a book on it. I am writing a book on it. I know you are. <laughs> I'm writing a book on it right now. But hey, let's go on. <laughs> baptism was so important. Water, water baptism was so important that when you study the book of Acts, you find that when somebody's saved, they're always water baptized. Always. For example, when you come to Acts chapter 8, verse 12, the Bible says the Sumerians believed and they were immediately baptized. When you go to Acts chapter 8, around verse 36, Philip is teaching the Bible to the Ethiopian eunuch. And he gets that water baptized. Well, first he believes. And the Ethiopian eunuch says, well, what's stopping me from being baptized? Here's water right here. Philip says, you're right. Let's do it right now. Isn't that interesting? They didn't wait for a 10-week course. They did it immediately. You know why? 
they knew it was really important for that old man to break off and be permanently buried and to have a new start. They believed that. And then you go on to Acts chapter 10, verse 47, and you find the household of Cornelius. They get saved and immediately they're water baptized. And in fact, if you come to Acts chapter 9, the Bible says three days after Paul was saved, he was water baptized. When you get to Acts chapter 19, Paul produces, pre preaches the gospel to a group of 12 men in Ephesus that have never heard the gospel before they believe. And immediately, he, water baptizes them. If this was just a ritual, do you think they would have taken it so important? It is not just a ritual. Mm -hmm. It is a new beginning. It is an outward affirmation of your faith. And the New Testament church believed, and I personally believe, that when you go into those waters, there is a divine transaction that takes place. Not to save you, to liberate you. To liberate you. And I have to say it again. It is a believer's first step of obedience. Now here's a great example. People who are trying to be profound, have a big ministry, and they've never even been water baptized. <laughs> Something wrong with that picture. I guarantee you that person's going to mess up. They're going to mess up. I've seen it over and over and over. They're either not going to be faithful to church. They're going to fall out of fellowship somewhere along the way. They're going to make a spiritual miscalculation. They're going to do something morally wrong. They skipped something very, very, very important in the beginning stages, the ABCs. That's a great illustration of how important it is that you be established in the ABCs, and that's what we're talking about. Now, when we come back tomorrow night, we're going to talk about the next part of the ABCs. You're going to be shocked right in the middle of all these important things. The writer of Hebrews says another ABC you need to understand is the laying on of hands. You say, well, that's just touching somebody. What's so powerful about that? Well, you obviously don't understand the laying on of hands. Something about that you don't understand. The Bible says it's one of the most important doctrines of the New Testament church. Can you pass a doctrine test on the laying on of hands? If not, don't miss tomorrow night. But we're out of time. It's been great. we got to say goodbye. Thanks for being with us, and we'll see you tomorrow night. If you enjoyed that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.